This is the Bible in the News with Paul Billington talking with you this week about Iran, the Holocaust Denial Conference, and the response to it by Yad Vashem, Jerusalem's Holocaust Memorial Center. To many of us, denying the Nazi Holocaust of World War II is only possible if you're a crank, a madman, and obsessed by a hatred of reality as well as of the Jews. It's hard to understand the mind of someone who would blind themselves to all the accumulated evidence that there is. Yet that is what a conference in Iran was engaged in during the week. As we will know, President Ahmadinejad of Iran not only denies the fact that six million Jews perished in the Nazi Holocaust, but he wants to repeat the terrible crime by, in his words, wiping Israel off the map. Israel, incidentally, has about six million Jews there today, so he really does intend to match the exploits of Adolf Hitler. It was about a year and a half ago that the Bible magazine visited the Holocaust Memorial Center in Jerusalem, Israel. Frank Abel spoke with the library director of Yad Vashem for us and discussed this issue of Holocaust denial. Now here is part of the interview. Well, Rob, with all that education, are there still Holocaust denial, uh, deniers or denials out there? Yes, there are. And, well, Holocaust denial is a, a phenomenon that in many ways you can trace back to the Nazis themselves. Because the Nazis tried to get rid of the evidence of the murder of the Jews. And we know this, that there was a special unit that was set up. And in the last year or so of the war, they went around burning bodies and trying to get rid of the, the evidence of what was happening. The denial that we talk about now really is, uh, is rooted in that, but it, it took off much more from the late 60s and into the 70s, and of course is unfortunately very well rooted today in many parts of the world. And I think that the real root of the Holocaust is it's so hard to believe that there were people on the face of the earth in the mid-20th century that sought to wipe out another entire people simply because they deem those other people to be dangerous to the world, again, not based on anything, more on a false ideology. And it's very hard for people to come to terms with that. And it makes more sense sometimes to believe it didn't happen than to believe it did happen. Again, because we're humanists and we believe human beings don't do things like that. But of course, they do do things like that. So Holocaust denial is out there, and it's in many places and in many forms. We see it a great deal today in the media and especially in the Internet. There's so many sites that, that, that push Holocaust denial along with various aspects of anti-Semitism and anti-Zionism and other Jew hatreds and xenophobia and all kinds of things that often get mixed together. So there's a lot of Holocaust denial out there. Now, there's one term you used there, Rob, which I like uh, our audience to have a little better handle on. That's anti-Semitism. What, what would you say anti-Semitism is? Well, anti-Semitism in its colloquial usage is hatred of Jews. It's a word that's a, really a misnomer, and it's a 19th century word that came into being as people were talking about linguistic groups and, and trying to talk about the connection between language groups and, and race, and the idea that there was some, some sort of Semitic race, Jews are of a Semitic race, even though it's not, you can't really use the term. Hebrew is a Semitic language, like Arabic's a Semitic language. So anti-Semitism came into being as it's against Semitism, as if the Jews were pushing something called Semitism. Again, it doesn't exist. There's no such thing. Which, by the way, is why we at Yad Vashem spell anti-Semitism with a small a as one word. 
because there's no anti-slash-Semitism. There's no such thing. But it's the hatred of Jews. And by the 19th century, anti-Semitism had taken on the components of hatred of Jews that were rooted in the Western society for many, many centuries, based on the Jews being different in the Christian world. And by the 19th century, it was taking on two new aspects. And one was the political anti-Semitism we talk about. The Jews were entering the political process. They were entering daily life as equals in Europe slowly in the 19th century. And there was a backlash to this. Jews were said to want to take over the world. For example, something like the Protocols of the Elders of Zion, this book that was really put, put out by the Russian secret police at the turn of the 20th century, became an ingrained myth that Jews are out to take over the world. So that's political anti-Semitism. The other is racial anti-Semitism. The Jews are a separate racial group. They have their own specific blood. And the people who really took this as far as it could go were the Nazis, of course, with their racial view of the world. And Jews were considered to be a, 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 an inferior race. And by the Nazis, they were really what we would call an anti-race. They were the antithesis of everything the Germans saw in themselves. If the Germans were seen as blonde, blue-eyed, athletic, creative, and good, the Jews were seen as dark, ugly, and stooped, and destructive. And all because of their blood. That was what was seen in this. So anti-Semitism embodies all of these things. Since the creation of the State of Israel, anti-Semitism has taken on a new component, and that's what we could call anti-Zionism. And it's anti-Zionism that is not a rational anti-Zionism. It's an anti-Zionism that's not based on any rational thought, but it's sort of a knee-jerk reaction that we don't want Israel to exist. We don't want the Jews to have their land. The Jews are different. The Jews should be judged differently and treated differently. And this has also come in now to join into what today we talk about when we talk about anti-Semitism. Well, this president of Iran has made it clear that he doesn't want Israel to exist. Psalm 83 verse 4 comes to mind when we read these sentiments. They have said, Come and let us cut them off from being a nation, that the name of Israel may be no more in remembrance. As well, Ezekiel chapter 35 and verse 10, speaking of Israel and Judah, because thou hast said, These two nations and these two countries shall be mine, and we will possess it, whereas the Lord was there. And in verse 5 of that chapter it speaks of a perpetual hatred against God's people. And that is exactly what we see in anti-Semitism and in anti-Zionism. In both the scriptures that we've referred to, God says that this is a challenge to him. Ezekiel chapter 35 and verse 13 says, Thus with your mouth have ye boasted against me, and have multiplied your words against me. I have heard them. So the boastings of Mahmoud Ahmadinejad reach to heaven. In an article in the Jerusalem Post this week, Robert Rosette, the librarian that we interviewed at Yad Vashem, wrote the following. Words are inadequate to express the feeling of insult, sacrilege and anger that I feel when Ahmadinejad and his ilk call this history into question. It is my family's history, the history of my people, and the shared history of much of the world. It is also the history that my colleagues and I at Yad Vashem can verify and recount in great detail. Based on the 1,100,000 published 
titles and the 70 million pages of documents in our collection and the personal records of a sizable percentage of the individual Jews who were murdered. It is a history I have shared with countless visitors to Yad Vashem over the years, including presidents and prime ministers. Calling the Holocaust into question can only be likened to questioning if the earth rotates around the sun, or if humans need to breathe to live. But with the addition of a feeling of unfathomable sadness and loss. Debating a Holocaust denier is like debating a person at the beach who swears that the blue-green sea undulating before him is pink. Without doubt, Ahmadinejad thinks differently than we do. For him, historical facts are a matter of opinion. And matters of opinion, such as whether Islam is the true religion, are facts. It is crystal clear that the Western notions of proof and logic are not integral to his way of life but are only manipulated by him for his own ends. At the upcoming conference in Iran, for certain, the participants will marshal their fallacious evidence to prove their unfounded thesis, eschewing scientific methods for those of pseudoscience and sophistry. Denying and ridiculing the Holocaust and refusing to comply with international conventions regarding developing nuclear capabilities are merely expressions of the same arrogance born of ignorance. Ahmadinejad and his crew have amply demonstrated that they will not be swayed by reasonable argument, but will do whatever they want, regardless of the price for mankind. The leaders of the world have yet to find a way to deal with the threat Ahmadinejad poses. The question is, since words have proven futile, will the world take concerted action before it's too late? End of quote. Well, whether the world takes action or not, we must wait to see. But this challenge to the Almighty will not go unnoticed by the angels. You know what happened to Haman in the book of Esther? It's recorded in chapter 7, verse 10. And you know what happened to Hitler? With these examples before us, we should know what to expect. Meanwhile, keep tuning in to the Bible in the news. We will be back again next week, God willing. Bye.